podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andy Metz. Today's episode is actually pretty full. I was originally expecting to just kind of have a small preview of the Central Michigan game. Um, we actually were able to to get that. Not only, I'm not just doing it by myself, though. I was able to go ahead and get um, one of the guys from Hustle Belt, which is the SB Nation uh, site that talks about all the MAC teams. Uh, so he was able to join me. We talked for for about 15, 20 minutes about about the game coming up and about Central Michigan to give you guys some more information about them. Um, and then with the release of the Big 12 conference schedule, I was able to talk with Steve Fetch a little bit about that that schedule there. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get over to that pretty quickly here. Uh, but but first we will uh, I will get you over to my conversation with uh, with James from from Hustle Belt. Uh, so enjoy that. And I'm joined now by James Jimenez, the assistant site manager for Hustle Belt. That is the SB Nation uh, site that covers it covers the MAC. Is that correct? Yep, all twelve teams in the MAC. All right, I thought so. It's yeah, we've there's another one that covers like everything else that's not covered, but you guys are specific to the MAC. So, um, so James, James, thanks, thanks for joining me. Um, we are we are obviously going to be talking about the KU Central Michigan game that is coming up. Um, so first of all, my, just my first question for you is obviously central Michigan won this game last year. Um, and it wasn't particularly close. <laughs> um, you know, but this team is a lot different than that team from last year. So can, can you kind of just start by talking about what is different and, and like what you've seen from the team in, in the one game that they played this year? All right, well, the defense is largely intact. There's not a lot of change on the defensive side of the ball. They're still going to run that traditional 4-3 under Ray Colby. A lot of the starters in the defensive seven returned, including uh, Malik Fountain at the linebacker spot, Trevor Apsey at the linebacker spot, Mike Dana is returning at the end spot. I believe Nathan Britton Fast converted from a defensive end over to a defensive tackle. So, yeah, a lot of the same guys are returning front seven. In terms of the back seven, back seven is completely different. They're I believe it's either three or four brand new starters in that secondary, and they're rotating a whole bunch of talent out of there. So it's not going to be a static, you know, these are the four guys you're facing. It's going to be a lot of rotating depending on situations, back and forth. Uh, Xavier Crawford, transfer from Oregon State, I believe, is starting on one of the corners. And then you have Devani Reed at one of the safeties, if I remember correctly. Uh, Daquan Jameson's coming in on passing down situations at that slot nickel spot. There's a, yeah, it's not a terribly changed from last year, but there are a couple of new faces to recognize, especially in the passing game. As for the offense, it is topsy-turvy, upside-down different. About the only things that really change, or uh, really stay the same, I should say, is uh, Jonathan Ward at the running back position. He kind of took over that spot from Devin Spaulding last year at the Kansas game. That's where he took over that starting role was there. And then uh, 
Got Polgen is a quarterback. He's new. He was the backup last year. The offensive line is the same. There's one or two new people, but they have experience having rotated in back and forth. The area of concern as a Chippewa fan will be on the outside. On the offense, a lot of inexperience at receiver. Brandon Childress is back. If you remember that name, it's because he injured his ACL in the Kansas game last year after scoring a touchdown. Right. So he's back. He's going to be a wide receiver one. And then on the outside is Janelle Sabah. He played primarily special teams last year. He had one catch to his name before the season. Sam Cole is going to be in at, I believe, the slot position. And then it's just a constant rotation of guys, basically, for that fourth wide receiver. So there's a lot of experience going on in the passing game on both sides of the ball. Yeah, so I was looking over at your preview that you put together. I believe it was you. Yeah, uh, over on Hustle Belt. And you're, you're, you're talking about how Central Michigan did last week. Looks like they actually played pretty well for a while against Kentucky. Um, was it was it more of a, you know, ultimately they ended up losing that game, but was it more of a Kentucky's, you know, better, uh, I guess, physicality won out, or were they able to, to kind of get lucky here and there, and then it, it just couldn't continue throughout the game? Yeah, the first, like the first half especially, I've gone back and watched some of that game. You know, the first half especially, it was central, causing a lot of chaos in that Kentucky offense. Like, Kentucky's offense did not look ready to go, and CMU took advantage, and then inherently, you know, took advantage of short field to be able to, you know, build up that 17-7 lead like I had marked there late in the second quarter. But then, you know, the wheels kind of started falling off, not necessarily in a bad way. It's just, you know, they made good stops, made good stops, and, oh, well, there goes 50-yard touchdown run. Like, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. The team was really susceptible to that last year, too. Like, you saw it a lot. It was kind of a bend-but-don't-break type of thing where they would do really good on, like, a first and second down. But that third down is always a little bit of a concern when it, you know, when it comes to watching Central on its defense. They're prone to giving up a big play because they're so aggressive. Like, last year, looking statistically, Central, I believe, was, at least in the top ten, probably the top five. Yeah, top five in takeaways in terms of causing fumbles and interceptions. I think interceptions alone last year, they had something like 17. And so they're an extremely aggressive defense that, you know, a talented team like Kentucky, you know, which has that physicality, can take advantage of. Right, right. So I guess the main, I think the the biggest, like, kind of X factor or key matchup that we're going to see is going to be the Central Michigan defensive line against the Kansas offensive line. Um, how strong is that Central Michigan defensive line? I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to actually watch that game, but, you know, it talks about four force turnovers. Was that based off a of defensive line play, or was that Kentucky miscues, or was that, like, the, the secondary making big plays? Well, it's a it's a combination of all three. Like I said, Kentucky kind of woke up like right at the end of the second quarter and took that momentum into the rest of the game. But that doesn't mean that Central necessarily got lucky. Central, that's what they're primed on on defense. It's causing havoc in that front seven. Like they dig into the trenches and then try to turn you over. That's kind of how they are. They're a very big play defensive line. And you saw that last year with Joe Ostman. You know, who's gone on to the professional leagues. But there's still a lot of the players, like I talked about in the introduction, 
that are there that were there last year as well, including Fallon and Dana. I think Brionis may or I think Brionis is a game time decision coming because I think he was suspended in the first game against Kentucky. And then you have Andrew Ward. He was a borderline three star, four star uh, recruit that went to Nebraska, and then he transferred. He got his uh, transfer waiver accepted prior to the Kentucky game and took some snaps. So they're getting in some, you know, depth on that front. And yeah, between you and me, I watched that Kentucky game and the Kentucky. I watched that Kansas game last week. I went on the ESPN yeah. Plus and watched the replay. That offensive line is a turnstile. Yep, definitely. Like I could go, I could go. You know, like you may as well put that Kansas offensive line in the subway system in Brooklyn because they were <laughs> just letting people in like it was nobody's business. I I think I counted what six sacks for twenty something yards yeah. in terms of how much you guys gave up over there. That sounds about right. I believe the the actual net yardage, like the net rushing yardage, I think was like negative fifteen yards. But he had ripped off. Um, two two runs for 30 yards, and that included that. So it was like they lost 45 yards on sacks, I believe that was, which is ridiculous. So Yeah, and I, I, I know I was looking you know, at the press conference, too, where David B.D. was saying, like, well, we're going to look at putting in, you know, some of the second-string guys, and, you know, at that point, <laughs> might as well try. You know, if your starting offensive line is going to give up six to Nichols State. And Nichols State is a good FCS team. They're not that good. They only went eight and four last season. Like, right. They shouldn't be winning and you know, even against I mean, a team like Kansas, no offense. They are they are a ranked FCS team and they are expected to be a pretty good team and they have a lot that came back from last year. But you know, looking at them phys- physically, like they shouldn't have really dominated the play as well as they did. So yeah, that's like that's what I'm saying. Like in the preview that you were alluding to, I went back and looked at that box score, and like Nickel State won every single statistical category that you need in an upset. Right. We're talking turnovers forced, we're talking third down conversions, we're talking first downs, we're talking rushing yards, we're talking time of possession, we're talking sacks, we're talking, you know, like every single one. So. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of uh, optimism in the Kansas camp right now in terms of how well this offensive line is going to be able to hold up. So, um, you know, all, all we heard all summer long was just how good they were supposed to be, like how much improved they were, and they had guys that could could physically play the position now, and then they gave a performance like that against an FCS squad. So, so is is there any other position battle or anything like that you think that could be a key to this game or is there any more specifically maybe that you're worried that, that Kansas might have an advantage that they can take advantage of? Well, it's like I it's like I highlighted also in the introduction. My main concern is on the outside. So we're talking the wide receivers versus the corners. So now you've got one, I think you're playing a true freshman four-star at one of the corners or he got sure. his debut. Something yeah, like Corian that, Harris. Yeah, so Corian Harris isn't starting, but um, although that may change coming into this week, I haven't actually heard anything yet, one way or another. Um, but yeah, he's definitely been getting a decent amount of playing time. He's actually the high, the highest rated recruit the Kansas has ever gotten. So I'm, I was a little surprised that he didn't start. Um, but you know, Beatty is like most Kansas coaches for whatever reason in every sport. They they really value the veteran 
um, presence that they have there. And so it takes a lot to, to push a freshman into a starting role right away. I'm imagining by the end of the year that Corian Harris is probably starting. Um, but, but, but that is, but that is, I may concern because I'm right. talking, you know, Central is very, very young on offense. So when I say very, very young, I mean very, very young. Brandon Childress, I believe, is either a redshirt sophomore or a junior. No, he's a junior. He's a redshirt junior, and he has the most experience. And his experience is, I think, double-digit receptions, like 10 receptions on his career. Oh, wow. And then you yeah. go you, know, you go into, you know, and, you know, some of that is because of injury. He was slated to be the number two receiver last year before he got injured. But, you know, Jamil Sabah had one catch last year as a redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt sophomore. Cam Cole is a redshirt freshman. Bailey Edwards, a redshirt freshman. You know, uh, Devin Spaulding has converted from halfback to receiver, and he's a six-year senior, but he's never played wide receiver at any level. So, like, that's going to be an adjustment for him there as well. The tight ends are really young, too. Uh, Logan Hesbrook, he also had an ACL tear last year. He doesn't have a lot of catches at the FBS level. Uh, he played at Division II Saginaw Valley before transferring over. And then behind him, you've got uh, between Keegan Cousteau and Bernard Raymond, and they're both redshirt freshmen. So all, and then you have Tony Polgen, who's a redshirt sophomore. So, like, that's the main concern for me, and that's what I'm going to be watching throughout the season is how that passing game progresses with Paul and Understander. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's because if Central can't get if they can't get that pass game going, and we saw it against Kentucky, Kentucky game plan for the run on Jonathan Ward. Jonathan Ward only got something like 25 yards. Like they, no, 37, 37 yards for Jonathan Ward. That's it. And he was a guy that averaged nearly 80 or 90 last season. Right. So they game plan for him. And once they took him out of the equation, it was really just up to Polgen. It was Polgen quarterback power. Bolton trying to pass, being unable to pass. So yeah. they're going to have to improve on that this coming week if they want to get a good cushion and get into that lead, like I was saying in that preview. Yeah, so I noticed looking at the box score that Polgen was the leading rusher, both by carries and by number of yards, um, which, I mean, is that is that concerning to you? Uh, that's not – it doesn't sound like that's what, like, they want to be able to do is have a quarterback that's a dual threat – um, it, it seems like they would want to be able to kind of rely more on the traditional rushers, but uh, it, it sounds like they just didn't get an opportunity to do that. Was that more of what Kentucky was doing to take away other runners, or is that like actually a decent part of the game plan to have a quarterback that can both run it and throw it? Well, it is. It's a decent part of the game. Like if you're looking at Polgen, Polgen's a true dual threat quarterback. He scores something like 58 touchdowns passing and rushing when he was at Lansing Catholic. Like, he plays it pretty 50-50. So that's the type of quarterback they're recruiting. But at the same time, you don't want your quarterback necessarily being, you know, being the carry and yards leader. Uh, you know, under Shane Morris last year, they ran a very similar offense. It wasn't as run-pass option heavy. It was a little more run-spread last year. But this year, they're going to a true, like, run-pass option system. And so Polden's going to get a lot of, you know, reads of whether or not he wants to tuck the ball or hand it off. And, you know, there's not a bad weapon to hand it off to in Ward. And then Willie as well, for more of a power look, Kemenu Willie will be a name to look out for. He's the uh, second back 
for Central. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Paulson's pretty tall. He's six foot seven, two hundred thirty-five pounds. So there's not really a lot of opportunity for sneaking around when it comes to running. Like when he's running, he's running north south. He doesn't really have a lot of uh, lateral ability in that sense. So when right. he does take the ball, that's what he's doing. He's just gonna run it up. He's gonna put his shoulder into a couple of defenders and try and get three yards out of it. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that really only leaves kind of our, our thoughts on what is actually going to happen in this game. So how, how do you see the game going? Do you think Central Michigan is going to be able to control this game similar to the way they did last year, jumping out to a big lead? Um, I mean, like that, that last game last year wasn't really that competitive at all. And Kansas was at home for that one. So how, how concerned are you about the changes in the offense for Central Michigan and their ability to be able to do that again this year? Yeah, last year's, last year's, uh, excuse me, last year's result was really surprising to me. You know, in ter- they doubled them up. Like, yeah. that's, now that's ridiculous. That's, you know, it wasn't a competitive game. But, I mean, everything was cooking that day for Central. And it was on the road. Like, just the whole thing. He had a first-year offensive coordinator, because that was Chris Ostrowski's first year. Uh, this year, the system should be a little more in place. It's a lot of Bono's recruits in here, too. You don't really see a lot of Enos recruits on there anymore. So it's really Bono's show now. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, how, you know, how these players adjust to that system. Because coming out of that Kentucky game, I'm kind of iffy on, you know, the current offense right now, but I think a game against Kansas, no offense, I, I'm sorry, but I think, you know, as well as I do, that Kansas isn't that great. You know, a game like Kansas is kind of the shot in the arm that this team needs on offense. If they can get a good offensive game plan going, if they can get, oh, let's say Ward gets about 100 yards, Poland goes for about 200 total yards, that's a pretty good day for Central Michigan in terms of offense. And then on defense, you know, it's going to be a lot of the same guys from last year. They're going to kind of know what Kansas is running, per se. You know, I I think the defense is really going to lead the way for Central. They led the way for Central in the last game, and they're going to have to do it now because, you know, it's a very experienced defense, especially in the front seven. You know, they know how to play in these types of games. They're going to have to carry that offense like I said, which is really young, until that offense kind of clicks and figures itself out. In terms of the game itself, I really hate score predictions. I've gone on record for saying this before on podcasts and on Q&As. hate giving out scores, but I think that the spread is being a little bit favorable in terms of the uh, seeing you giving up six. I think it's probably something closer to 13 or 14. Right, right. So so you are thinking that they'll probably win fairly comfortably, which to be honest, given the way that both teams have played, I'm not I'm not really that surprised. You know, there's no offense taken at the fact that Kansas probably I mean, it's hard to say that they're not one of the worst, if the worst FBS team um, in the year. So the fact that they were, you know, that they lost the way that they did. And and I mean, it's it's kind of similar to last year, you know, that it took them um you know, it, it it just it took them a long time to get going, and they weren't nearly as good in that opening game that they should have been. So um, this is kind of continuation for the Jayhawks of that. So, um, right, and, and the way that I look at it too is that it's a home game for Central, 
And Central's been really good in home openers. They've won, I believe, 10 of the last 12 home openers. It's going to be a Saturday. Usually their, usually their home openers have been traditionally like a Thursday or a Friday. So it's going to be a Saturday. People are going to be out there, 3 o'clock. It's going to be perfect weather, 70 degrees, sunny, you know, conditions for a football game. There's not going to be any weird weather to think about. You know, and Kansas hasn't won a true road game since 2009. So I feel fairly confident that Central is going to come away with a victory here, homerism aside. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable prediction at all. So, all and right. Full well, disclosure to anybody out yeah. there who doesn't know, I graduated from Central Michigan. And yeah. I will be at the game on Saturday cheering on Central Michigan. So. Yeah, well, you know, being from a from a Mac uh, website, it's not really that surprising. And, and honestly – um, you know, it, it makes you a little bit more in tune, I think, with the team. So it, it made it a really good, you know, you being a really good person to talk to about this team, given that us down in Kansas don't really know too much about what happens with MAG teams, even though we seem to play enough of them and lose to them often enough. So, um, you know, who knows if, if things don't go as well as, as uh, they should and, and uh, people's worst fears come come true, Kansas may be joining a conference like the Mac at some point if football never finds a way to get turned around. So I would love that, man. Like I, I remember when I I remember when I first started watching college football, it was right around the time that Mangino was a coach over at KU and I just kinda you know, I would watch the KU games and I was like, man, this Kansas team is really good. They've got a sweet aesthetic. They're fun to watch. Like this is cool. You know, I wish them all the success. Like it was one of the first like college football teams like I ever like actively sat down and watched. So I've always had a soft spot for Kansas. So this is going to be a really fun game for me, like just being able to go down there and seeing this team that I used to watch in my childhood against, like, my alma mater, you know, at my alma mater. It's going to be a game that's very close to my heart. Yeah, I just I just wish that this was the same kind of team. Unfortunately, this program is nothing like what you fell in love with when you started watching college football. So, All right, well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Uh, can you let the people that are listening know where they can find you online? All right, well, my personal is at AV, as an audiovisual, King James, and I'll probably be posting a few updates from there during the game. In terms of the blog, we can be found at www.hustlebelt.com and also on Twitter at HustleBelt, just like it sounds, H-U-S-T-L-E-B-E-L-T, and I'll be posting from there as well. I'm the social media manager for that blog, so if you see a tweet from there, it's probably me. Sounds great. Over there. And then, yeah, it sounds like I might be meeting up with some of you guys over from uh, Rock Chalk Talk over there, too. I've been talking to, to Mike. you, and I've been talking over to Mike out there. So yeah. hopefully we get a picture of you guys. Yeah, so Mike Mike actually went up there to go watch the game. He actually just arrived up there. We're recording this on Friday night, um, short, shortly before it's going to go up. But he actually is is up in in town now and getting ready for the game. So should be lots of fun. So. All right. Well, once again, thanks for joining us. It, it was great talking to you and learning a little bit more about the Central Michigan Chippewas. So uh, good luck or have, have have fun at the game tomorrow. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope you guys have fun watching it too. Yeah, hopefully it's at least uh, decently entertaining. <laughs> so uh, that's, all, that's all you can ask for in a situation like that, right? Exactly. I'm, I'm going to be watching it anyway, so at least I can enjoy something about the game. So, All right. Thanks again. Yep. See you later. A big thanks to James for joining us. Uh, you know, I am I am definitely concerned. As you heard in the interview, I'm definitely concerned about this game coming up against Central Michigan. Um, 
we didn't really get into it much there, but I think the thing that concerns me the most is actually having David Beatty calling the place. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about this multiple times that that's where the biggest concern lies. Um, you know, there's, there's enough talent on this team, honestly, that they should be able to beat central Michigan. The only problem that I'm seeing is that we do not have the right play calls to get them into the right position to be effective. So there's definitely a lot of concern there. I'm really, really hoping that we see something, um, you know, but like he was saying, this is basically the same defense that held Kansas to, to not very much last year. Um, you know, he actually had mentioned in the interview that, that they had doubled us up. Uh, it was actually 27 points uh, and they had 45. So it wasn't quite a double up, but they still were beating us very handily until the very end there. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm concerned that we could see another, another result like that. I'm really hoping that we don't, but my main concern there is not really necessarily our defensive side. It's whether it's, I'm sorry, their, their defense, it's a matter of whether our defense can shut down their offense. I think that's the best way for Kansas to win is for it to be another low scoring game, a game in the, you know, in the, in the teens or the low twenties. Um, if we have another one of those, then Kansas has a shot. If it, you know, basically I think the first team to score 27 points wins this game. So, um, all right, but that's enough about that game. Let's go ahead. Uh, I, I promised you a discussion with Fetch about uh, the Kansas basketball schedule. We actually broke down the schedule, looked at some of the little trends that we had in there. Um, you know, Kansas, as usual, gets four Big Monday games. So we, we have some discussion of those Big Monday games. Um, overall, just a really good, I guess, uh, small small thing there to kind of cleanse the palate, um, give us something to look forward to. And, and, you know, hopefully the next time we talk about football, we have something fun to talk about. So, but let's, let's get right over to that interview with Fetch. And I'm joined now by Steve Fetch. How are you doing tonight, Steve? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, the news dropped recently that actually it was yesterday that the, uh, the Big 12 conference schedule for basketball is now available. And Kansas, as usual, has a heavy dose of Big Monday games. Um, uh, there was a few oddities with the schedule, but I, I want to get your your overall thoughts on the schedule. Were there any particular stretches that seemed to be particularly difficult, or anything weird in the schedule itself that that you noticed? Well, obviously, you know, with with the Big Twelve, it's a little bit different than you know the ACC schedule or the Big Ten schedule because every team plays each other home and away, and and that's that. But yeah, that being said, there's obviously always some kind of weird quirks and stuff going on. One thing that definitely jumped out at me right away, um, pretty obviously, is that they alternate home and away games um, until March, uh, which is pretty wild to me. Um, I don't remember that ever happening before um, that I can remember. Um, the other thing that kind of jumped out to me is, as I always go look at their run in, um, and they finish at Texas Tech, which you know, Texas Tech, um, I think, is kind of the big mystery team this year in the Big 12, and obviously we'll talk about that a little bit more um, as we approach the season. But with no Keenan Evans and, and no Zaire Smith, it's really tough to tell what they're going to be like. And then they finish uh, at home against K-State, which K-State should be the second-best team in the league, but it's at home, so you would think that would be a win. And then at Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma, and at home against Baylor, you got to think they're going to go probably two and one in those. So I'm hoping they can go four and one uh, in their last five games. So if they do need to um, make a run at uh, another Big 12 title, they they should have the schedule that 
allows them to do so. And then uh, the other thing that really stood out to me, um, one final one, is I noticed that they go to Iowa State pretty early. Um, it's their second game of, of Big 12 play, January 5th. And so school is not going to be back in session, which hopefully that's going to make the atmosphere there a little bit more subdued. And, you know, that's been a, a big bugaboo for Kansas lately trying to win there and hopefully that'll make it a little bit easier to to get a win in Ames. Yeah, I don't know if it'll make it any, any easier. I mean, a lot of the problems they have with fans going crazy up there aren't actually students. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just as raucous up there when KU comes to town. I mean, it seems like KU is probably the only team that can get them that worked up, um especially if the students aren't there, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting it to be any easier just because it's a little bit earlier in the year. Um, I, I was also kind of, I guess, puzzled a little bit by the, the, the alternation. I'm so used to them having, you know, at least like one Saturday and then Tuesday game that are both at home. Um, it, it is going to be kind of weird talking about a home and an away game, you know, back to back like that. But, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm looking here at anything that jumps out at me. Obviously, having Oklahoma State, like being at Oklahoma State towards the end of the year is a big deal. Uh, it always seems to be an issue for them. Um, this is the first, I think this is what, the first time in, in I think it's like three or four years that they've ended the, the year at home as opposed to on the road, um, which is a good sign. Um, you know, they always seem to have problems. It's like at Baylor or at Oklahoma State has been the, the last few years. They always seem to have a problem with that game. One, because they've already wrapped up the Big 12 by then, but also, you know, just because it happens to be at one of the two places, they seem to have a, a hard time, for whatever reason, consistently in and out. So, um, the other thing that, that jumped out to me is that there's two uh, games that are on CBS, which, for whatever reason, and maybe it's just selective, you know, remembering the, the experiences selectively, but a lot of the most shocking losses that KU has had seem to happen when they're on on CBS for whatever reason. Um, you know, at Oklahoma State, uh, I believe there's at least two of them at Oklahoma State that they were on CBS. The non-conference losses on CBS on Sundays, um, often at home, they always seem to have problems with those. I remember the, the loss to Temple, uh, the loss to, I believe it was, uh, uh, I forget, actually I forget who, oh, San Diego State, like all the really weird ones that come out of nowhere. It just seems like they're on CBS for whatever reason during the season. So I was surprised to see that we have two of them. Uh, there's a Saturday game at Texas, or I'm sorry, versus Texas Tech on, on February 2nd. Um, and then that game at Oklahoma State on March 2nd. So should be interesting to see those two. Um, are there any particular stretches of this, of this, uh, schedule that you're worried about in terms of, you know, huge games that are, that are coming up back to back or anything like that? Um, not really, to be honest with you. Um, one thing I, I did look at was when they played Kentucky uh, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, they are sandwiched around or in between Iowa State and at Texas, which both should be pretty tough games. I mean, I think Iowa State and Texas are both going to be pretty good this year, but I definitely think that both are games that Kansas uh, should win. Um, probably the toughest uh, four-game stretch, to me anyway, is when they go – um, at Oklahoma, or uh, excuse me, at Kansas State, at home for Oklahoma State, at TCU, and that, and then at home for West Virginia. Um, at home for Oklahoma State should be a, a pretty easy win, although you know last year uh, certainly wasn't. But 
Um, at K State, it's probably going to be their their toughest trip. Um, I think TCU is is going to be a really good team this year, uh, especially if Jalen Fisher is 100%. I just saw a report that he's going to be out injured, but they should expect him back um, for the start of the season. So if he's back and, and fully healthy, I think they're going to be a really tough team. And then West Virginia is a team that, that always plays Kansas tough, uh, whether it be home or away. So to me, that's kind of the, the toughest schedule, and that starts um, February 5th and, and ends February 16th. So if they can get through that little schedule, uh, maybe 3-1 and one or, or even really 2-2, two and two, to be honest with you, um, I think the rest of the Big 12 is going to kind of cannibalize each other pretty much uh, this year. So if they can get through that unscathed, I think they're going to have a, a pretty good chance because then, like I said, they do start kind of the, the run in, which isn't uh, very difficult this year. So um, definitely a, a chance to make some hay in that part of the schedule. Yeah, I think like you were saying earlier about Texas Tech being like the biggest question mark, um, I, I, I mean, assuming that they don't fall off a cliff uh, with, with who they lost, like, I think the hardest three-game stretch is probably at TCU at home against West Virginia and then that game at Texas Tech. Um, there is a week between the West Virginia and the Texas Tech game, so that might help them a little bit. Um, you know, if we're looking at a three-game stretch, uh, that beginning part of your four-game stretch would be difficult just because it's three games in six days. So, or I guess seven days, actually. But, um, you know, at, at Kansas State on a Tuesday – then versus Oklahoma State on Saturday and then at TCU on Monday. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could see that being a, a difficulty. So, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls in this, in this slate. I don't know. I mean, again, it's going to, it's looking like it's going to be a stacked conference again this year. Um, like you were saying, you know, the, the expectation is that the conference itself is going to cannibalize and, and everybody's going to be playing pretty well. So Kansas may, I mean, the only thing saving them this year, I think, is just that they're this, that, that much more talented this year than they were last year. Um, so that should be very, very helpful to get through that. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a team or two that kind of jumps up and challenges people. And if, you know, KU has a couple off nights, um, you know, they may have actually have a tougher time winning this conference than we're all expecting. So, um, all right. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you're right that there's definitely going to be um, a team or two that maybe we're not expecting to be good. I think it's probably going to be one of TCU, Texas, uh, or Oklahoma, I think, is going to be one of the teams that kind of jumps up and maybe takes that fifth, fourth, or, or even third spot. Um, I think most people are penciling in KU, K-State, and West Virginia for the top three, but um you know, I really like Iowa State this year. I think they could finish as high as second. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, I mean, Oklahoma, TCU, Texas, one of those three teams I think is probably going to be a little bit better than we expected. And, and it's just so it's it's really tough to go over the schedule right now. Um, and obviously you got to do it. But it's just tough to know which one of those teams uh, is going to be good and, and when they're going to be good. I mean, if, you know, you look at Oklahoma last year, I mean, if you got them early, they were a, a buzzsaw. And then at the end of the year, they were terrible. So that plays into a, a lot of it as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the hardest thing actually looking at this is, you know, which team is going to be the worst in the Big 12 this year? Like, I I think everybody pretty much knows it's going to be Kansas. And you can pretty much pick, you know, anybody or you can get a good range of where people are going to be. But, I, you know, there's, there's too much talent on a lot of these teams to really pick out one that's going to be bad. Um, you know, we thought we could do that the last few years. And 
while, you know, Oklahoma State, like, I think everybody can probably consider Oklahoma State as the worst team going into the conference last year. There was, there was a lot of time where that wasn't clear that that was actually going to be the case. Um, and they actually, you know, didn't finish with the worst record. So, um, I think we're kind of in the same boat this year. Like, there's a lot of improvement expected from Iowa State. You know, o- o- Oklahoma State's expected to be decent. You don't really know what you're getting with Oklahoma. Um, so you, you would think probably those three teams are going to be towards the bottom, but I'm expecting one of them to kind of surprise, you know, um, it's just, it's just really hard to really know who's going to be good, who's going to be bad because all of these teams have the potential. They're like, they all have enough pieces that they all could be good. So it's just a matter of who's actually going to gel and who's, who's going to come together and who's going to, going to fall apart. So one, one, one thing that I do really like, um, is I think they start out somewhat easy um at home against Oklahoma should be a win at Iowa State you know you never know if the students being gone does you know impact the crowd that much which I kind of agree with you that it probably won't but I'd still prefer it to uh, a big Monday when there's a bunch of students there and stuff uh at home against TCU which again good team but it's at home so you last year's struggles um aside you you have to expect Kansas is going to win most of their games at Allen Fieldhouse um, at Baylor where they've had a lot of success. And I think Baylor's in the running for the worst team in the league this year. Um, and then again, at home against Texas. So you really think that they should be able to start out probably four and one, maybe even five and all. And it's one of those things where uh, if they do that, they can get, you know, everyone else in the league, all the contenders thinking, you know, Oh, here we go again. And, and kind of keeping an eye on Kansas and, and not really worrying about themselves, which can uh, really work in KU's favor as well. Yeah, the other thing that always, that's always interesting to look at is the the Big Monday slate, and obviously Kansas. There's no you, you can only get a maximum of four games in any particular year on a Big Monday, which makes sense. They they want to spread it around a little bit, but Kansas always gets four, obviously, and it's always interesting to see which ones they pick um, because you know they they typically the ones that Kansas has at home are usually against teams that they're expecting to be fairly good that year. And the ones on the road are typically ones where they're expecting that road team or the the team that KU's playing to be fairly good, but it's probably going to be more, much, much more dangerous at home and they can get a good crowd for it. Um, so this year they have Texas and Iowa State at home. Um, and then they have, let's see, they're on the road at Kansas State, which honestly there's a good shot that could be like the game of the year in the entire conference. Um, and then they're at, at TCU as well. Any, any thoughts on those particular games? Was there a, a different game that you probably would have preferred to see on a, on, on a big Monday game? Or, or do you think that they got some pretty good ones for us? Um, it really does seem weird to not have West Virginia uh, on a big Monday game. It just seems like that's been kind of the, the big rivalry in the Big 12 these last couple of years, just with the, the big comebacks that Kansas has had and obviously you know playing them in the Big 12 title game, um, what, two out of the last three years, I think, right? Um, anyway, so. that that seems like a, you know, kind of slam dunk big Monday game. The one that doesn't really make a ton of sense to me is at TCU. I, like I said, I think they're going to be a pretty good team. It's just, they don't really get a ton of fans regardless of how good their team is. So maybe that's going to change, uh, with Jamie Dixon now. Um, and maybe they'll get some positive momentum going and, and maybe get a, a pretty good crowd, but I don't really like watching games there. Their floor is weird and the lighting is weird in there and stuff. And, um, I would kind of prefer to have a, a different uh, opponent for a big Monday game uh, than TCU. But 
Um, other than that, you know, I think you're right. The other the other three are pretty good, and, and I think you're right about K State um, at home against Kansas is probably going to be the the game of the year in the league. And um, there's going to be three left after that for Kansas. I mean, I don't think that'll be to wrap up the league or anything like that. But if they do beat K State there, I mean, it might be the the game that kind of all but seals it for them. So that'll be another added wrinkle. Yeah, I think that's late enough in the year that it could be like you know the the final nail in the coffin one way or another as to whether we're going to have a very tight race going down to the end or if Kansas is going to be able to cruise in the last couple games. Um, the the one thing that I will say about those West Virginia games, they're both on Saturdays in a decent spot. I was looking, I was kind of trying to look around the rest of the the, the nation. Um, there is a really good opportunity in both of those games that Kansas could potentially. You know, have a well, that that game could be where they go for college game day, um, and that that's another kind of thing to think about is that ESPN, you know, is trying to set up some marquee matchups in a few places um, so they can get that exposure. And the Big Twelve obviously is going to oblige that when they can. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if if either of those games was the site of a college game day for that year. Um, obviously, you know, anytime Kansas is involved, it's really easy to get that going. Um, but yeah, I, I do think probably the best chance for Kansas to be the featured team for college game day would be the game against West Virginia um, at home, February 16th. There didn't really seem to be a whole lot. That's just before, I believe, the rivalry week um, for the first time where you, you usually see like Duke, North Carolina and all of that. So they're really you know, pushing for a bunch of other schools. So that may have been a consideration as well as trying to get a few Saturday matchups that are really good that would be good for um, for that, for, for showcasing the entire league. So Yeah, and, and it looks like they don't have a time listed um, on the KU schedule for that one, so I'm sure they're probably thinking the same thing as well. Yeah, so the and as, as for your point about TCU, you know, they, they actually had a fairly big jump, if I remember correctly, from their attendance last year. Um, I want to say the year before was when they opened up the new arena, or maybe it was last year. I don't remember, but um, you know they they actually have a decent facility now, whereas before it was really really bad. They have a good coach that they're getting, you know, that people are getting excited about. And TCU basketball is getting a getting to be a bigger deal down there now. So while it's not anywhere near the level of the football program, they're getting enough. I think that that people are seeing positive signs that it, it kind of makes sense to get them a a big Monday game. And the only one that is a slam dunk, you know, big, big Monday, uh, worthy in the vicinity, at least would be when a guy, when a team like Kansas is coming to town. So, I mean, it makes sense that if you're going to get them one, that's probably the one to get them. Uh, so I mean, I, I can at least understand it. There's also not really another game that's really jumping out to me as, you know, this one really should be on the big Monday slate. Um, maybe one of the Texas tech games, but there's a lot of question about whether they're actually going to continue to be very good. Um, you know, we already have one against Texas. Like if you're trying to make sure that those West Virginia matchups are both available to get on college game day, then it would make sense that, uh, that, you know, TCU is probably the best bet to make that a, a, a big Monday worthy type game to showcase the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've also come to notice, I, I don't, I haven't looked at the entire slate of the big Monday games, but. Um, there are usually a few where they have like multiple Big 12 games on Monday and they do one on ESPN and one on ESPNU. Um, I haven't seen which other ones pot- would potentially fall into that on any of these Mondays, but um, obviously we all know that Kansas is never going to get the early game 
for any of those for whatever reason, probably because it's the marquee one. I, I, I wish that Kansas would be, and, and, and the Big 12 in general, would be earlier in the day. Uh, actually, I was, I was kind of shocked to find out that, you know, KU and Michigan State was going to be the early one for the Champions Classic. But I, I was pretty happy about that. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm not really seeing anything in the schedule that is like a glaring, you know, either unfair or um, really weird other than a few things that we've already talked about. Um, I, I, I kind of see those more as scheduling quirks as opposed to anything that, that anybody can really complain about. So, um, and any other thoughts on the schedule as a whole? Uh, no, I think we nailed it. All right. Sounds good. So yeah, so, uh, we'll go ahead and leave that there. It never hurts to have a little bit of, uh, basketball talk, especially after what happened last week with the football team. So we'll, we'll leave this as a, a good taste in your guys' mouth, uh, to go ahead and finish the podcast for today. So Fetch, thanks again for joining me. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks again for joining me, you guys. Um, it's been a lot of fun putting these episodes on this year. We've you know, had some big guests, and uh, I'm really enjoying the new format. So, uh, you know, as usual, if you guys aren't already, please go over to iTunes, like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, all that fun stuff. Um, whatever podcast apps you, you'd like to listen to, if, if there's one that we're not on already that you want us to get onto, um, I'm, I'm currently looking into getting us on, on something like Stitcher. Uh, so any of you guys that, that are listening from there, we can definitely keep working on that. But but seriously, in the in if if you're accessing this from Rock Chalk Talk in the comments, please let me know. If there's any other place you want me to get it onto, um, you know, send me an email. Uh, it's the the email for the for the podcast is rockchalkpodcast at gmail dot com. Um, you can also contact us on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, you can contact me personally on Twitter. It's at Mister Double Underscore Brain. Uh, so M I S T E R two underscores, then brain, uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually on the rock chalk pod Twitter, uh, giving all my KU takes from there, but I still do, you know, I, I like to talk about other stuff on, on my own personal Twitter. So if you guys want to engage there, um, most, most definitely I will be happy to do that. So, uh, you know, as, as usual, if you guys want to talk with fetch, he is manning the rock chalk talk Twitter, uh, which is at rock chalk talk or his own personal Twitter. Uh, so uh, you know, we are always willing to engage with you guys to kind of talk about what's going on, really enjoying everything that's going on. Just a quick update, uh, just to, to guys let you know, for, if you haven't been paying as much attention to the entire athletic department as a whole, uh, the Kansas soccer team had two matches. Um, well, they actually, I'm sorry, they had one since, since our last our last podcast. Uh, they went to Cincinnati, played against them, played to a 0-0 draw. I know, I know Mike uh, would, would comment about how boring that was. It was actually a pretty interesting game. Uh, I got to watch about half of it. Um, there was a lot of action. Kansas was dominating a lot of the action. They just weren't able to get the ball into the net. Uh, so, again, the, 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 the soccer team is continuing to play really well. I actually do have a treat for you guys. I am going to be talking with someone about the soccer team. I'm still trying to finalize the details, but I'm planning on that being in, a, in an episode next week for you guys. So... Um, next Friday, make sure you do not miss that episode because not only will we be talking about obviously the football game coming up, uh, but there will be a lot of information about the soccer team. Uh, I'm probably going to spend a good portion of that episode on, on the, on the soccer team. So we don't, we don't get an opportunity to talk about them very often, but they are off to a very, very hot start this year. Um, so it's really a, an, an exciting time for that, for that program. The volleyball team isn't doing quite as well, um, as we have gotten used to them doing. But they are still doing pretty well. 
uh, they have a, a an invitational this weekend that they're uh, that they had had a bunch of teams come in for. At the time of this recording, they are actually in the middle of of a match right now. They had won the first one on Friday, uh, and I am actually not sure how that other one is going. But we will recap all of the volleyball action this weekend with you guys on the podcast that we have coming out Monday or Tuesday. So once again, thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, definitely please get us any kind of comments, suggestions, any topics you want to talk about. If you have any questions you want us to answer, I'll be, I'll be trying to get a little bit better about putting out a call for questions on Twitter. But at any point, you can always send me a question. Let me know if it's something you want us to talk about. I might answer you on Twitter, but if it's, you know, if, if it's something we can expound on, here on the podcast, I, I definitely would would enjoy getting your guys' suggestions involved. So, uh, once again, uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to this, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.